0: This this is Brock and Saul. Brock
1: Heward and Mark Matt Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike Mike. Presented by
0: Carter Volkswagen and Ballard on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes have now? Here are your hosts, Brock Heward and
2: Mike Saul. <laughs>
0: All right, Jerry DePoto is going to join us in 30 uh, after a little comeback win for the Mariners yesterday. Great to see. They don't give up, man. This team does a heck of a job of just continuing to come at you. We talked to Scott Service yesterday. I played you some of that sound earlier, as uh, he has certainly noticed it, even in the games where they don't win. And in some ways, that's important. I know that there are folks that don't want to ever hear about the, the good loss or anything like that. And certainly no loss to the A's can be considered a good loss. I mean, like... That's a team you want to beat as many times as possible. And I think the Mariners have only lost what one game to them so far this year. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Maybe I believe two. So yeah. But I mean they've 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 taken care of business certainly against the Royals and the A's and the White Sox. Like, they've done kind of what you're supposed to do against those teams. But uh, it was it was interesting hearing Scott say like, look, even the game they lost, they didn't have it that night. That's not a good night for yeah, them. Yeah, zero
2: for six with runners scoring position. Twelve Ks. You had a couple guys go out. You actually had, had about two be- hits through the eighth inning. Only matchup that was favorable to Oakland with all the lefties in right. their bullpen against your lefties and
0: and you still found a way to put runners on second and third with two outs and the you know winning run at the plate and yep. In the ninth inning. And it didn't work. I mean, you know, Gino didn't come through that time, although he's certainly come through a number of times this year. And, okay, so be it, right? I mean, but the way they look at it as, hey, we did our job. We, We trusted the process, even on a night where we didn't really have it, and we were in position to win the game, and it'll work out the next time. And I think that's what's important to note there. The next day, Bryce Miller comes out. Bryce Miller wasn't that good yesterday. He wasn't. He was not the best we've seen of Bryce Miller, certainly going up against a lineup that was not fantastic, right? But he does his job, and he goes six innings, only gives up three runs, leaves the team in position to win, and eventually that same attitude that didn't work the day before, the process is the same, and you come back and win yesterday's game 5-4. to
1: It changes your season. You know, you you need to win the rubber game. You're not going to go out and win the first two games. Uh, of every series, and, and when it comes right down to it, you've seen the other team a couple of days. You kind of get a feel for them, who's hot, who's not. Uh, but ultimately, it comes down to pitching. It really does, and um, again, the job that Bryce Miller did today, i got to be honest, I was a little worried after the second inning. Um, I was hoping to get him through five because we do not to pitching. You just have to leave him out there to throw his pitches, and then hopefully we can get to the back end, and that really sets the game up for you. If he doesn't do that today, we don't win the game. So a ton of credit goes to him.
2: In some ways, uh, Salk, it's a, it's a golf mentality, a game that you've grown to love and admire from afar and enjoy watching. And it's you've got to, and you hear these golfers say it all the time, another game that is so doggone mental that takes an unbelievable amount of concentration and focus over five hours, over four rounds – but what do you hear those golfers, especially in majors and in big tournaments? we just got to give myself a chance. Mm-hmm. Just keep giving myself a chance. Keep hitting the good shots. Keep trusting my game. Keep putting myself in position to make those putts. And for the Mariners, it almost feels like, I think Scott said this to us yesterday, it's like winning time. Okay, we, we, we get to, you know, to these games. We have dominant starting pitching. There's going to be some nights where the offense is unbelievable and explosive and hits home runs. It gives you margin, and you don't have to use your leverage pitchers. But more than, more often than not, Like the strength of our team is our starting rotation. Yeah. You know, and we've got to give ourselves a chance to go win these games. And no team scores more in the eighth. (laughs) No team knows how to climb and to finish and, and to make stuff happen in those final six outs and six outs of these mariners. It's a
0: really great point you make, Brock. Honestly, if I, if I had to compare this Mariner team to a professional golfer. The pitching is they just hit the fairway every time, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they are driving it down the middle, 300 to 350, depending on the hole. And they are down the middle, driving it every single time to give you an opportunity to birdie the hole. Yep, Their offense, getting on base, et cetera, that's the approach game. Most days, it's really good. They're putting you on the green. They're not forcing you to scramble too often. They're yep. putting you on the green. Maybe it's the middle of the green, but they're giving you opportunities Goodness with men on I base. set you up for this. And when they win, it's because they putt well. <laughs> That's right. Right? They hit those 20-footers. They hit those 25-footers and little sliders to the right, et cetera. And when they do it, they look awesome. And, and you for know the what? last month... They've been putting like, you know, Spieth in 2015. That's right. Like Tiger whole, in his prime. Whole, the is like huge. Like Jack, like yep. Ben Hogan, like whoever you want to mention as the great putters ever. That's what they looked like over the course of the last month because they've always had the driver, the pitching. They've always had the ability to get on base, the approach game and they started putting started that's coming right. up big and big moments and there you go you go on a run that's never been equal before you know, in mariner history
2: and you know what unlike a lot of these guys whose driver starts to fail them or what have you or their, their approach fails them they miss the cuts they're not in it hmm. they miss the cuts see also the mets see also the padres see also these teams this year that just did not have the package and and did not give themselves a chance st louis wow. cardinals out of it you're just out of it you cut you don't even get to the weekend the padres the, the Padres, this team made the cut. This team, even when they had no putting, even though when
0: they couldn't, you know, get it done, and then you they that, still made the cuts. Then you have poor John Vandervelde, the Texas Rangers, who had that big old lead, and they are choking it away. Uh, another one that should probably sound like it comes from the world of golf. Here's Scott from yesterday with us on how continuity really does matter.
1: Those of us in leadership positions here in the building, philosophically, we are aligned. We believe in the same things and what's important uh, to sustain winning baseball over the course of a season. That doesn't mean you're going to go out and do it every day and execute it. But uh, our foundation is is locked. It's solid. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. And People are tired of hearing about it. You know, you control the strike zone. You you control counts on the mound. You grind out at bats. You keep doing those things. And you keep talking about it. And you track it internally. and, And you just keep hitting your players over the head with it.
0: And they buy in. Well, And and I'll just kind of keep saying it, Brock. This was sort of my feeling throughout that there was an an execution problem, not a plan problem.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That the Mariners' plan was sound. The execution of it needed some tweaks. And ultimately, they made those tweaks. And they changed out a couple of the people that weren't performing and brought in other similar players who are performing better. It's a good plan. And you yep. got to remain consistent to it. You got to maintain that continuity, trust what you believe in. And ultimately, here we sit, it's working a whole lot better. Con- con-
2: continuity, confidence. Uh, I was texting with Jay Glazer yesterday. I saw that he was out at Seahawk practice, so I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I was really hoping to get him to jump on with us this morning and have yet another kind of national analyst that sees so many teams and what did he see, and, and obviously he's pretty connected with the Seahawks. So I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. When I kind of asked him, you know, what what did you see, man? They got some dudes, right? And his response to me was, they got culture, capital letters, eight exclamation points, unreal. Now, it's not about the dudes, a lot of a lot of teams got dudes. Gosh, that might be our word today. I Can't believe how much I'm using it. A lot a lot of teams have fantastic players. The San Diego Padres have fantastic players. The New York Mets roster preseason had uh, huge resumes and lots of talent. St. Louis Cardinals has had some t- talented players. Not not about that, right? And that is so much. I think of what Scott and Jerry have preached, and and I know why they were probably so frustrated on the inside, right, with some of the noise and and the fans and the and the you know emotion and and all of that's like hey man we we got this thing just hang with us just hang with us just hang with us and then we'll put together the best month in the history of this franchise i mean just just saying that out loud after april and may and june saw the month of august was the best month of baseball in the history of this franchise and it has set themselves up for something special here in september need to know. Fifteen minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk.
0: Here's what you need to know. Up first. Twenty-one wins in one month. The Mariners accomplished it by figuring out how to win their 21st yesterday. It wasn't pretty all the way through. Got down 3-0 early. Took a couple of big moments to ensure that they would get the win. Teoscar Hernandez providing the first. is one oh- Swung on, clock left field, hammered, it's on its way
1: into the A's bullpen. Brand new ball game. tail slugs another. A three-run home run, and we are tied.
0: Wasn't the only moment, though. Justin Topa gave up a rare run late, and all of a sudden you're down 4-3 in the seventh. Don't worry, J.P. Crawford with the bases loaded. Bases
1: loaded. The pitch to
0: J.P swung on, line drive, left field base hit, scoring from third base is Canzone, big wave Caballero the throw home, he slides, he is safe, the Mariners have taken the lead. Yeah, they wouldn't relinquish it either, Brash and Munoz both were filthy last night, honestly that was as good as both of them have looked I thought in a while, they were really really good, and that's a great sign as they head off on this road trip, Astros Blue Jays both win, Rangers lose, they had come back and then lost the lead again, They had, did you see what they did in extra innings again tie game and Mets uh, were the home team at the Rangers walked the lead the leadoff guy to set up first and second intentional walk then had a regular walk then a hit by pitch to lose the game yeah dude dude, dude that's not good, dude.
2: No, that's not good. <laughs> I just I, I'm marveling at J.P. Crawford this year and I know we have we have given him a ton of credit and Jerry has and Scott has And yet he is still a little bit in the shadow of Julio in this pitching. He's kind of like the linebackers were on the Seahawks defenses. He's kind of like KJ and Bobby because he's not the most verbose because he doesn't sit there and talk publicly. But privately, he carries an immense amount of weight. And what he is doing on the field is career highs. Already a career high in walks, a career high in RBI, a career high in home run. And Salk, I read those numbers to you last, uh, need to know. With the bases loaded, there is nobody in baseball with the bases loaded. You want up more than J.P. Crawford 11 times, and he's delivered seven of them. Seven of 11 with the bases loaded this season. Two RBIs yesterday. They were the game-winning runs.
0: Dude, that's amazing. Mariners fly to New York. Yesterday, they will take on the Mets, who have their own problems, and then they will uh, go to first Cincinnati, then Tampa to finish up what should be a fairly challenging road trip. Here's the second thing. You need to know. All right, I got a lot of updates in here, so let me try to run through them. Second straight game without Julio Rodriguez yesterday as he's got an injury to his foot. We will ask Jerry DePoto about that coming up here in 15 minutes. Better news on Ty France, who did play yesterday. He was 0-3, but he was back in the lineup, so obviously that's a great sign and probably makes them a lot less in need of another right-handed bat. So any of the conversation yesterday, certainly about Josh Donaldson, could probably disappear. As for the guys in the outfield... I don't know whether Julio, you know, how much time he will miss. He may be ready to go as soon as tomorrow in New York, but there are a couple of right-handed bats out there who play the outfield. Randall Grichik and Harrison Bader will both be interesting when the waiver claims are awarded later today, along with a couple of pitchers, some big names, Lucas Giolito, who's a starter, Matt Moore, longtime reliever, lefty, really good pitcher, by the way. Mm-hmm. So there are some options out there. We'll find out where those guys are headed by the end of the day today. And then September call-ups as well, Brock, uh, for tomorrow, September 1st. Going to be Sam Haggerty and pitcher Adam Aller, who both uh, got on the plane with the team yesterday and will be called up.
2: Yeah, nice to see Julio not in a walking boot as we got to watch the video of Scott service and run DMC and all the fun that they had in their clubhouse as they took a long flight to the New York City uh, to the Mets. And this going to be the longest you know, road trip, last long, difficult, arduous road trip of the season to the Mets, to the Reds, to the Rays, out on the East Coast. And at least Julio, as I was watching him, not in a walking boot, walking comfortably, a day off today, very, very curious to see if that nerve yeah. settles down and when he gets back in this
0: lineup. I would say tomorrow is sort of the day that you want to see, right? I don't think anyone expected him in the game yesterday, like, all right, it's one more game against Oakland than the off day. Yep. Tomorrow? I think the expectation is that Julio will be there. Uh, Tomorrow's also, or today really, is the deadline to get a player into your organization if you want to use them on a playoff roster. Uh, the Mariners did pick up Luis Torrens, old friend, catcher, DH type, assigned him to AAA. That could be some insurance maybe if Tom Murphy can't return, or maybe just looking for another right-handed option off the bench. Here's the third thing you need to know. And then the Seahawks had their own big waiver day yesterday. They picked up a couple of players, talking about uh, Caillou Blue Kelly, who was waived by Baltimore, fifth-round pick rookie, and then uh, linebacker Drake Thomas. We heard a little bit about both those guys from Pete Carroll.
1: Kelly in particular. I um, you know, saw him all through the, the process, you know, and I really liked what he, he looked like uh, as, a, uh, as a cover guy and hit well and reminded me of another Stanford corner I'd seen back in the day. Um, kind of long and looked, look, you know, really in control, body control wise, and all that kind of stuff. That was really cool. Um, uh, for for Thomas, um, he's uh, he's a he's ball player, you know, really instinctive, really natural. Finds the football really well. Hits with everything he's got. Not the biggest guy, but but he brings everything he's got. And a very effective special teams guy as well. So uh, he looked like a, a, an exciting guy to add to the to the mix, and in, in hopes that he can find his way in special teams right off the bat, and then work his way from there.
2: Yeah, I think for Drake, a healthy Bamberkirvan. I had NC State a couple years ago and, and watching just, he was a tackling machine over almost 400 tackles in high school, back-to-back 100 tackle seasons at NC State, undersized guy and oh, did you hear, oh, did you hear, Saul? Joshie Joshy, Joshy boy, wasn't happy. No. Yeah, Joshy McDaniels wasn't happy, was really hoping to get him back. You know, I think there's some of this feeling around the league at times, like, hey, man, you know, don't pick up our guys. These are our guys. Like, then put them on your roster. Don't put them out there for the practice squad. or does for seem others to be to pick, sort right? of
0: like a desire not to do too much of that.
2: Well, there were only 24 guys out of 800 that were that were cut. 2.8%. That was it. They were claimed as the two Seahawks, you know, that, that you brought in. That, that was it. You were as active as anybody with two waiver wire claims. You're right. There's, and I don't think there's a gentleman's agreement. I don't think there's any of that. You're going to do what's in your best interest.
0: It's but almost there's... like an unconscious desire, though, to just not upset anybody and just kind of stay yeah. with your own guys. We got some updates and, uh, yesterday. The good news, Devin Bush and Cam Young returned to practice. Honestly, we've kind of slept on the Cam Young news. I think that's really important, given some of the depth concerns they have at that position. The not as great news, still no sign of Derek Hall, Daryl Taylor, Devin Witherspoon, or Mike Morris. That is everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. What's with shoulders this year? That's the uh, injury of the season here mm-hmm. for the season three guys with shoulder injuries mike morris daryl taylor and Derek hall
2: well i think for mike morris i had 25 pounds playing inside it's a whole mm-hmm. different game of combat for Derek hall that is a bit of a bummer because he is so imposing and so physically strong but yeah i mean you run some of those risks of shoulders of just getting you know you, you extend your arm and all of a sudden it gets yanked and there's a yeah there's a problem but gosh i am yeah i, I don't know it, it just hit me yesterday i don't know why but it hit me yesterday how bummed I am about Devin.
0: Mm.
2: You know, as excited as we were and as excited. to Go back and play that tape of Pete Carroll on draft night. I mean, this was their guy at number five. This is a game changer. This is Troy Polamalu. This is a guy with instincts for days and violence and everything you want. And, you know, not only was he slowed in the offseason, he comes back on August 7th, re-injures that thing. It's now been 29 days. Excuse me, on the 24th, 20s, it's for him to just sit out and that's a that is a big big bummer.
0: Yeah, big huge, bummer, huge loss. Hopefully, uh, he will be back in there sooner rather than later. All right, we'll shift gears back to baseball here as we have our weekly conversation with Jerry Depoto. The Mariners win yesterday. They're coming off the greatest month in the history of this team. What did he make of it all? We'll ask him that and more next. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Never happened before, man. Never happened before in the history of the Seattle Mariners. And Moro's right. They've been having moments like that. It feels like every couple of days you get a never-before-happened-before Right. Never before happened in the history of the Mariners kind of moment for them. A little hot streak, something a player accomplishes, something a team accomplishes, the pitching staff, whatever it is. uh, There certainly are some examples of this team uh, doing things that no Mariner team in its history has ever done before. And some in baseball. Right. Uh, have never done. Absolutely. So with that in mind, let's talk to Jerry. The Jerry DiPoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. 21 wins in a month, Jerry, just like you drew it up. How do you win 21 games in a month?
3: I, I wish I knew. because I, I think we'd go ahead and coin the formula and reapply it for, for September and take it from there.
0: What, uh, what was that like as a, as, as the architect of it, watching your team win 21 games in one month, what does that feel like?
3: Probably just the way it felt for the fans. And, you know, I know Scott felt the same way it's, when you get on these roles, just enjoy it. It's so much fun. And, you know, I, I think I said it last week and I'll say it again now that the month is over. I mean, the, the, the way august went for us i mean he couldn't drawn it up any better and you know we kind of needed something special like that to happen to put us in the position we're in now we wake up in in september tomorrow i guess and and we will we have uh, for the first time put together a, a, a club that's in first place as we head into september and and uh you know that's a special thing and To to have it happen in the way it happened, where you know we had Teo and we had Julio and Cal hit a homer, what seemed like every other day, but. Yeah, every single player on that roster, from one to twenty-six, and even a couple of other guys that weren't there from the start, chipped in, and it was such a team effort throughout. And that's what made it feel so special for
2: everybody. One of the things we really appreciate, Jerry, is when you give us kind of some of that behind the scenes and the numbers and the things that you guys look at that even the most devout and uh, sabermetric star out there outside of your walls doesn't always see from from some of those numbers, some of those next level numbers. How did you guys go about winning 21 games? What jumped out to you, statistically speaking?
3: Well, I mean, we we threw strike one. That's the the biggest thing. And it's really, if you had to write the book, what's the one thing the Mariners are about? It's throwing strike one. And our pitchers did it, you know, religiously, all month long. And they've excelled at it all year long. And it's something that that really we feel does give us a, a tremendous advantage. And we did that. Uh, we started to pick up hits in the big situations where maybe in, in May and June, May and June, we were struggling, you know, our everything ramped up, our runners in scoring position ramped up. We have, and I know I've said this to you guys throughout the year, you know, we haven't really struggled from day one to create base runners. We've been very good at at, at putting runners on base, we just weren't great at converting them early in the season, and what we saw in August was guys started coming up big, and and the dial started landing on the same guys it was landing on in May and June, and this time they came through, and you know it's uh, it really changed the whole the, the whole arc of our season.
0: We're going to get into a bunch of those players, et cetera, but before we go any farther, I just wanted to take a moment here and and just ask about some of these injury updates, and specifically the one that I know is on the mind of every Seattle Mariner fan this morning. Do we have any new information on Julio?
3: Uh, no, nothing new. You know, other than we don't think it's a major issue. Uh, we should know more. I I have not been in touch with the guys this morning. I'm back in Seattle today. myself a little banged up. <laughs> so, um, you know, oh, what happened? In new York. What happened? Uh, I came down with COVID, so I am uh, oh, I'm homesick, oh. so to speak, and. Uh, I do think that that you know the, the Julio situation should be resolved in in days, uh, hopefully by tomorrow. But really, won't know until I check in with the, the medical people.
0: Interesting. So, is this the way you uh, found to get out of having to wear the uh, Run DMC getup?
3: <laughs> I have to tell you, I was disappointed not to wear it. I, it, uh, it was. It's looking at the. I, it's that's kind of our era, you know, and and. So fun, and i I think a, a great thing, Julio it was his idea to to have the team do it, and you know Scott happened to know somebody who knew run, and it turned into a, a thing which which why, that winds up being one of those little team bonding things that that we have run into so many times over these last eight years and and they're really fun.
0: who wore it best? who wore it worst?
3: i think julio wears everything back just to be honest with <laughs> okay. you. you know he looks better in things than most of us do we, gino. we thought gino
0: wore it very well maura pointed out that gino kind of has the right look
3: for it uh gino also has the right look for anything and more than anything gino has the right confidence for anything he can put anything on and it it looks naturally better because his confidence level right. is is such that he can sell it you know I, I will reserve comment on, on who I think wore it worst. But I have to say, just that looking at some of the imagery, because I wasn't there to see it, but looking at some of the imagery and just picturing in my mind, I don't think it's something that Bone would pull off very easily. But you never know. He, he could be the one rocking it better than anybody. I mean, I saw Scott.
0: I don't know if that was a good look whoa, for Scott. Whoa. I love Scott. I really whoa. do. I don't know whether I would say Scott pulled it off. What do you think? <laughs> I don't want to create, like, you know, a tension in the ranks here, but did Scott pull it off? Hard questions. To I, I,
3: I, I I have to say it's, I wouldn't think it's the aisle Scott's naturally drawn to when he goes into the department store, but it's, I thought he did okay with it.
2: Hey, Jerry, you had mentioned to us a few different times Julio this year and just some of the adjustments and, and I love that stuff. And, and I'm, I'm curious, has Teo done anything different or is this just Tao man? And when he gets hot, you let him ride.
3: I think the latter, you know, and, and we've learned so much about Tao. I, and you know, obviously he has had kind of an up and down run and, you know, been more up and down for the last three months, really. And, you know, he was awesome in June and we got a glimpse of what he could be. And, you know, I, I think Justin hit on this somewhere over the last couple of days. And, and I, and I think it's spot on. It the, the, the pressure associated with a team with expectations that's underperforming, as you head into the trade deadline, and the, the what that creates for the guys in the clubhouse—it's—I've lived through that in my lifetime, and it's not easy. And you know, in, in this case, I do think that for a couple of our players, maybe Teo most notably, just the, the the ability to relax and breathe after the trade deadline and and go about your business really did a lot, and you know, he's, he's killing it right now. And I, you know, I wish I could tell you why it it went up, down and then up again, but this time he's bouncing even higher, which is kind of, you know, a thing we do is, is we learn from those adverse situations and we bounce a little bit higher. And, and right now Teo has been as hot as anybody in the league, not named Julio or Mookie. So it's, uh, you know, good for him that, that, He was able to do it and good for us because he came just at the right time. So how
0: do you know? I would think, in fact, I was talking to somebody in your organization just this week who said to me that they feel like more and more the biggest challenge in baseball is just trying to determine when someone's going to turn it around or if they're going to turn it around. How do you know when to be patient with a player and when to pivot and move on to someone else?
3: You know, usually it's work, you know, it's who's putting in the work, who's taking the time, who's trying to make the adjustments, you know, and then you're looking at underlying data, you know, like what Brock said earlier, we're always looking at what's happening under the hood. Are they swinging at the right pitches? Are they hitting the ball hard? Is this something, you know, this, this hot streak or struggle, is it something that stands out from their career norms? And, and, and then just try to make the best decision you can once you manage all of that information. But you know, Teo really hadn't done anything terribly differently this year than he did any other year of his career. He still hit the ball hard. You know, he's always had a little bit of chase in his game, especially with the breaking ball. And I, uh, he just didn't really get those hot streaks. Like he, like he has historically, but you know, as I said, in two of the last three months, he hasn't just been hot. He's been torrid hot. And, now when you look up, we're heading into September, and his counting stats are right on par with the things that he's always done, which is, you know, frankly, it's why we traded for him, was to deliver what he's delivering. And, and throughout with, with Tao, and and I think you've heard me say this, you're not going to get a better guy. Great smile, awesome in the clubhouse. He works his tail off every day, and he never changed. You know, and then he never blamed any type of struggle, any type of, you know, like the three week downturns that he might have experienced through the years he, he kept coming right back talking about the team game and focusing on the things that he could do and 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 then lo and behold he kind of broke through and, and hopefully he can keep it running this way through October Jerry, you believe in clutch I do I absolutely do Momentum too is a big thing for me which I think we saw uh, night before last <laughs> you know, clutch is you there's some guys that just know how to breathe when the moment gets a little bit bigger and they they know how to keep themselves in tune, they, they find something in themselves. And, you know, for those clutch moments, they, they do come up, you know, when they're happening, I'm a minor league manager once, Tell me, uh, I, I'm a pitcher, and, and I had all my numbers were, were as good as you could be. I'm striking them out. I'm not walking them. I'm getting it on the ground, but I'm not winning games. I'm never out there to win games, and when I am, I'm, I'm taking losses. and And he said to me, there are three moments in a game where you absolutely know the game is on the line. You have to start identifying what those moments are, and then react and respond. and And uh, there are some guys that just naturally know that. And, you know, we've had more than a few of those moments and over the course of this last month And, and our guys have responded quite well, which tells you that they're identifying.
2: Well, it's been fun for us. I think every single week, whether it's you or Scott or somebody is giving proper due to J.P. Crawford. Uh, because I think he gets a little lost in Julio, the pitching, everything else that has been accomplished. Uh, but 7 for 11 with the bases loaded. With those two RBIs yesterday that, did, that ended up being the, the game-changing RBI. 7 of 11 hitting 636 this season with the bases loaded. To me, that speaks to exactly what you just said.
3: Nah, JP, and this is this is no knock to any of the other players on our roster, but truly from day one this year, he has been the most consistent player on our roster. You know, we've had some pitchers that have done their thing, but position player group, no one has been more consistently good than JP. And you know, he does it when you need it. Uh, things like yesterday stand out. Things like the you know what I thought was an awesome. You know, play he made on a line drive back through the middle with the game on the line against the Yankees, you know, not too long ago, and and you know he, he's had so many moments like that during the course of his time here that you don't even really think about it. He's just naturally that kind of guy. He's the mm-hmm. he's the point guard that sometimes makes the pass, sometimes hit the three pointer, or sometimes carves through the defense, but always gets the job done. You know, and it's a uh, it's it's really a joy having him on the team. Because you know he's going to respond well in those situations. And it's, uh, that, that's how good teams go. They have J.P. Crawford.
0: Well, it's funny. I was going to ask you uh, about J.P., and I think you probably just answered it. I was going to ask you which is most valuable to you, J.P. the shortstop, J.P. the leadoff hitter, or J.P. the leader. But just listening to you, it sounds like it's kind of all three, so maybe it's an unfair question to ask. <laughs>
3: it really is you know and I, and i think the his leadership comes in so many different ways you know he, he's sometimes he's vocal but not all the time you know and and i i know in when we're watching sports movies we're looking for the you know the vocal leader jp's not really that guy it's like the quiet pressure all the time it's an intensity it's a it's a competitiveness that burns all the time while when you're around him it looks like he's in you know in first gear all all the time and there's just he's just as as chill as you get until it until the game starts and then the everything gets ramped up And uh i think a really good teammate he gets along with everybody in that clubhouse he's a, i think he believes in the things that 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 make us go you know that we have talked about internally organizationally for years and it shows up in his game every day
2: Well, record-setting month, and it's been awfully fun for us, Jerry, to get some of the national voices uh, on our show over the course of this week. Tom Verducci was on earlier in the week. Buster Olney was on. Both those guys shared some some great stories. I know you jumped on Buster's podcast as well. But this resonated with me. This was Jeff Passan with us on a regular hit on Tuesday with Jeff Passan. And this isn't talking about the team on the field that everybody watches. This is talking about what's going on behind the scenes. Here was Jeff with us.
3: As good as the Mariners have been at taking scrappy relievers and turning them not just into reputable big league arms, but actually good big league arms, they're developing a reputation for doing the same thing with Young Bats. We, we saw it with Noel Di Marte and saw it with Edwin Arroyo, and both of them ended up getting Luis Castillo. Now we're seeing it with Young and Emerson, and Ty Pete and Johnny Farmello is going to be playing and Felmine Celestine. They're, what the Mariners are doing right now is a really nice exercise in building a sustainable win.
2: Was it pitching first and now the young bats come along? Was that the infrastructure in the plan at the beginning?
3: That's what we always talked about. and uh, It's really nice to hear that. I didn't hear that 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 bit from the, the show on Tuesday. But, you know, that was the goal throughout was to, to lay in a foundation of pitching because you don't win unless you can pitch. And, you know, we understood the, the dynamics of our ballpark and the environment that we play in and, and that's our quickest road. You know, if I had to go back to, you know, the 2018-2019 the offseason when we started this, this version of, of our of our roster building exercise – You know, in that time, you know, the goal was what is the quickest road for us to win the World Series and stay at that level of competitiveness? And and this is what we came up with was, you know, laying the foundation with pitching, start to develop. We were very college heavy early in our drafts, you know, to try to get players closer to the big leagues and fill the voids that we knew were there and then here in recent years we've gotten more high school heavy to to get the kind of upside talent in your system that you need to tip the scale and you know and to the credit of everybody in our scouting player development departments scott hunter and frankie Thon, and justin tool and amy mckay through those years and everybody else that's contributed we feel like we've really made great inroads. We've always wanted to not just win, but win in a sustainable, you know, consistent way. And, and I feel like we're, we're on that path.
0: Uh, today is uh, the waiver claim uh, day, last day for that before uh, playoff rosters would have to be, set, or at the very least people would have to be in your organization. What do we know about today's waiver claim situation?
3: Well, I, I think we publicly know more than we are supposed to know <laughs> is, uh, is the easy answer to that question. So, you know, rather than contributing to something I'm not supposed to be contributing to, I, I can tell you that the, it's it's a really interesting uh, development in in the last few days around baseball. And, and I'm sure, like you know, many, many other teams in the league, we're, we are likely to be active today.
0: What time is that? Do we know that? Is that public? What time is that?
3: Uh, usually it's a, it, it's about one o'clock Eastern time okay. when the 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 waivers are done. But it's uh you know again I, I do think a lot of that was not intended to be public information, and you know we obviously we can't get too in depth on on the things we do. Or well, won't do I won't ask you about that. I, I'm
0: more curious about what that process looks like. What what do, how do you find out? And when as, that all came
2: down, right? I mean we we had Buster on, and Buster was kind of presenting it from like a. Ooh, I don't know about the owners on this, right? Well, I don't.
0: I, I, he, I get that you can't kind of talk about some of that, but how, how do you physically find out that you've been awarded a waiver claim, mm-hmm. or who has? Like, what what does that process look like for a team?
3: So every day we get a waiver bulletin, and you know there are only certain people uh, in an organization who have you know who are who have access to that bulletin, and. And uh, it goes out to all 30 clubs, and you find out who's been waived and what type of waivers that player's on. There there are a variety of different types of waivers. And, uh, you know, once they go on, typically it's a 48-hour period that you have to wait, and, and the claims go in. And it's really as simple as just, Pushing a button on a computer, you know. Yes, we put in a claim, and and uh, you know, and then by the time it, it all shakes out in the wash on whatever their that day is, you know, forty eight hours from the post, uh, they they will determine by reverse order of record. So the team with the worst record goes first, all the way back to you know what would right now be the Atlanta Braves, and and uh, whoever the first team. Claiming that that player on waivers is with the worst record of those that claimed him is awarded the claim. And then effectively from there, you just assume the players contract and 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 rights.
0: So what if you have what if you've claimed three players at any given day and all three of them get awarded to you? Do you have to then take all three?
3: Yeah. So this, I've actually lived through this very exercise and talked about it this week. <laughs> um, in 2007, uh, when I was with the Diamondbacks, we had, uh, you know, back then it was trade waivers, August trade right. waivers, but there were a variety of different types of trade waivers or waivers in general. Uh, you know, one of them, which is, you know, outright waivers, uh, the other is trade waivers. The, those are the two most prominent. They're also release waivers. And, you know, but back in 2007, there were trade waivers and you could routinely claim players. And you may remember this from your, your past in, in covering the game. You could claim players in theory to block other teams from getting that player. And, you know, it's if 10 teams selected a player, or claimed a player, only the team with the worst record had the option of of acquiring that player so you know we we thought we were making strategic moves and you know we claimed three players on one day and the 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 phone calls to those teams to to let them know you know we're not really interested in so and so and you know we we wound up claiming two players we did want to add one player we were trying to block and roughly the gms on the other side of the phone said well you're getting them all (laughs) so we
2: (laughs) It's kind of like a we silent auction item. Yeah.
3: yeah, It was it was pretty crazy. But, we, you know, we added two players, and then we wound up uh, releasing the third, which didn't go over too well with our owner, but it is what it is.
2: You walk around those silent auction items yeah. and you put your bid number down, you, you walk away and you we wonder at the end of, of the night, what, what do I got? <laughs> <laughs> How
0: many am I walking yeah, away fine. with? Somebody else is going to likely bid on this, right? I'm not walking away hey, with that. We only have a couple more minutes. I want to make sure we get an update on Jared Kelnick. Uh, I know we saw reports yesterday that he's in AAA, should maybe even start tonight. Where are we at with Jared Kelnick?
3: Yeah, I think JK, uh, at least from from the last update, is, is expected to – provided he shows up feeling good today i think he's gonna dh tonight in tacoma and you know we'll be on our way we'll see how many at bats or reps it takes for him to to get ready and you know these these rehab assignments you have 21 days or 20 days for a rehab assignment we won't take all 20 obviously if he feels good it roughly just tell us when you feel like your timing's good and we see visual proof of the fact that he's bouncing back and tonight he, he it feels sends, good tonight
2: i'm yeah. ready to go tonight i want my run dmc outfit put me on the plane it feels good tonight feel great jerry thought, i'm sure if
3: we're winning on this road trip i'm guaranteeing <laughs> you, you know, it's not like last time you see that run dmc
2: <laughs> yeah hey can you give me a little thumbnail uh, on this road trip starting with these mets a little scouting perspective as you'll be home watching it like uh, all the rest of us over the course of this weekend what do we expect in this series
3: you know, I mean, the Mets are right now. Obviously, they had a really rough summer and uh, turned into a pretty active trade deadline. and And right now, I think you're you're getting the Mets at a time where they're trying to figure out what some of their roster looks like for next year. You know, but like the way you wouldn't necessarily draw it up. We are getting the, the top of their rotation down. <laughs> so we're, we're walking in and we're facing the best pitching that they have. And, and that's always going to make it tough. Uh, and they've got, they still have some notable middle of the order hitters, guys like Alonzo and Lindor. And, and these are very dangerous teams to play who are, you know, effectively no longer in a pennant race, but they've got awesome players. And, you know, and that's, we have to be conscious that anybody beats you on any given day and, And while you might be getting them at a time where overall it looks like they're down, they got a lot to play for. They've got a couple of really good young players and a couple of superstars in the middle and, you know, tread with caution. You know, we'll pitch well. I'm confident of that. And hopefully we execute. Then we go on to Cincinnati where they are dogfighting for a postseason spot themselves. Really talented position player club that I think is not too dissimilar from where we were, you know, three, four years ago. In gathering talent, they just did it in the opposite way. You know, they went they went with the bats first, and they're trying to wait for those arms to catch up. But you know, again, I think we're going to see guys like Hunter Green and Andrew Abbott, who are very good, and and you know, it's a they do have a talented bullpen, and it'll be an interesting series for sure because you're going to get to see some of the most athletic position players in the big leagues between the two teams. It's just a fun group, and and then Tampa, who's been a staple. The, the, and yeah, I guess the, the road to the postseason for a lot of years, Tampa's been on it, and we're going to have to go through them in order to get to where we want to go for sure.
0: Real, real quick, I know you got to run, we do as well, but just wanted a quick update on Tom Murphy. Saw that Luis Terenz was back in the organization yesterday. I don't know if those two things are connected at all, but how's Tom doing in his recovery?
3: Yeah, they're a little bit connected, but not, you know, completely connected. We, we brought LT back, you know, and because of the, our catching depth with – you know, with Brian O'Keefe in the big leagues, our catching depth wasn't where we thought it should be. And, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to know LT. LT knows our systems and our people. And, you know, it, the it just made it a, a very easy add. Murph is actually making some progress. You know, he's into his baseball activities in, in Arizona. Uh, like Jared Kelneck, he's likely to to require some type of of uh, you know rehab assignment before being activated, and you know unlike Jared, he's not yet to the point where we're ready to put him out there in games, and we're still taking it day by day.
0: Jerry, great stuff. What a fun month. Uh, what an unbelievable experience. We, just over, we were just talking about it, and Scott mentioned it too. The ballpark, I know is a loss, but the ballpark on Tuesday night in the fourth inning of all things with the bases loaded and just the way everyone got into it, it, it started to feel like fall, and there's going to be a heck of a September and then hopefully October after that. So thank you. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Feel better. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, there you go. There's Jerry Depoto taking a few minutes, uh, quite a few minutes, actually, with a lot of updates on what's going on with the team, what's going on with the health. We'll come right back and react to a few things in there that I think mean quite a bit moving forward. It's next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710.